God's word, we are so happy, as you've heard earlier, to see our dear brother, Deacon William T. Moore, back in our service. Deacon, so glad to have you back. And this morning, we are dedicating these services to our dear brother, Pastor Curtis Hamilton and his family and the loss of our dear, dear, dear sister. Amen. Sister Sunil Hamilton, we ask that you pray for that family. There is a word from the Lord. This is the 10th message of the series that God has given us throughout this year. Even on this Resurrection Sunday, God's assignment to me was to complete this series and share this word on this glorious day. Psalms 126 verses 3 through verse 6 is where the text is found. And we are reading today from the New Living Translation. Once again, the series is entitled, A Time of Harvest. This is the 10th message of this series. In fact, it is the final message of this first series of this year of 2018. Hear the reading of God's Holy Word, Psalms 126, beginning in verse number 3. And it reads, Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Verse 4, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears... Say that again for every demon in your life to hear this. For everybody who's ever given up on you just because you had to cry, just because you've been through something, hear this. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but... They sing as they return with the harvest. And the church that loves God's word said amen. Amen. Look at someone standing next to you. This is the subject for this 10th message of this series. Look at someone and say a joyful harvest. Now look behind you and say it's on its way. Look ahead of you and wave at somebody and say, it's on his way. A joyful harvest. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Yes, we are an animated church. We like to clap, wave, talk, touch. Amen. If you don't like those things, you need to go to the library. Amen. Amen. Listen, my brothers and sisters, since the beginning of this year, this year of 2018, we have here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road been talking about the harvest. We have discussed, talked, taught, preached on the harvest and how as people of faith, we live our lives expecting that if we are faithful, somebody say faithful, we are obedient, somebody say obedient, 
to God's will, then we will one day reap a blessed harvest. This is a promise of God that we will reap a blessed harvest. In the first two messages of this series, we spoke uh, about the harvest from the subject, trust the process. And it was stated in those first two messages that the process, or oh, somebody help me say the process. You've got to look at somebody and encourage them that they've got to go through a process. The process Listen to this. The process not only involves God's plans for our lives, but yes, the process also involves the order in which those plans occur. See, some folk don't want to ever have to go through anything. They want the blessings to come before they ever have to go through trials and tribulations. God says, I'll bless you, and there's a plan for your life, but it has to follow God's order in our life. In fact, God tells us that he has a plan to bless us. He has a plan to prosper us, but God doesn't say when. God doesn't say that because I'm going to bless you, doesn't mean that folk won't first get on your nerve. You won't ever have to go through anything. You would never have to endure haters and liars and backbiters. Somebody say the process. It was the process. And in the second message, in the second message of this series, we discussed why in so many people's lives, listen to this, there seemed to be a problem achieving a blessed harvest. Why is it that some people uh, seem to be blessed and others are not? Why is it that some folks seem uh, to be able to have a certain peace that surpasseth all understandings and other folk worry all the time? God reminded us in that second message of the series that it was perhaps the soil in which the seed was planted. Somebody say soil. In fact, the soil matters in which you plant your seed. Because oftentimes God said to us that seeds are planted in soil that is not conducive to producing a successful harvest. Soils such as that which is too hard. Soil such as that which is too shallow. Hard means that when you hear the word of God, your head is hard, your heart is hard, and you're still mad and still rolling your eyes at folk, and the word can't penetrate because your head and heart or heart. Shallow means that the word goes out, but because you only come to church once a month, preach. In fact, look at somebody and say, I'll see you next week. Yeah. 
You are a, I heard an old preacher say that there are three trick pony church members. Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. Amen. And because your soil isn't deep enough, see that you hear is in shallow ground. And when the wind comes and the rain comes and things that you had not planned to go through come in your life, it sweeps it away because the soil is not deep enough. Then the third type of soil God reminded us of was thorny soil. That means soil that is infested with weeds and thorns and things that are foreign to growth and contrary to growth. And uh, when we hear the word, because our lives are surrounded by negativity and because we still associate with homeboys and homegirls who do nothing but drain the anointing out of us, and because you aren't strong enough to weed out that which chokes the life out of the word. I'm preaching to somebody. You still think you can be saved and hang out on the corner with everybody. You still think you can go and do your thing with everybody else. And yes, you love the Lord, but there are a whole lot of other things in your life that chokes out the word. And uh, the word goes forth on Sunday. But Friday, the strip club got your attention. Can I preach? And then you wonder when you get in trouble, Lord, why is it that I can't ever seem to get peace and joy? And the Lord said, I send the word, but you've surrounded the word with all kind of negativity. You still got to hang out. You still got to go slipping and tipping and all of that with your friends and stuff. But you've got to have your soil cleanse of things that contaminate the word. And if you've got to go by yourself, if you got to go home and watch a movie by yourself, just get your own popcorn and watch your own movie and encourage yourself and say, Lord, I'd rather wait on the right thing than allow the wrong things. Can I preach in our lives? Thorny soil chokes out the life of the word. And then in what was our last message before this was the ninth message of this series. We encourage you to go get the videos, the tape, or go online and you can see them all. We spoke of the harvest from a different perspective. We talked about what is a painful harvest. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some that are in the overflow room right now listening to me, I know you can identify with this also. A painful harvest. It was stated in that ninth message that when we are disobedient and unfaithful to the will of God for our lives, then we will reap what we sow. You ought not wonder why you don't have friends when you are the meanest thing in the group. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't take a trained Ph.D. psychologist to figure out why nobody want to be around you when you are nasty and mean and moody and nobody can ever predict 
what kind of day you're going to have. And you're snapping at everybody and don't smile at anybody until you need somebody to smile at you. Look at somebody say, you'll reap what you sow. No wonder you don't have nothing as cheap as you are. When was the last time you ever blessed anybody? And the moment you get in trouble, you get mad when folk don't bless you. I wish I had a list of everybody that got mad at the church because the church didn't come to their rescue. And they for 10 years gave nothing to the kingdom of God. May I preach this? So that ninth message says there are painful harvests that we endure when we sow seeds that are contrary to the will of God. And now, in this, the tenth and final message of our series, on this Resurrection Sunday, God has instructed us to discuss the kind of harvest that I suspect, that I surmise, uh, we all would one day like to experience, and that is a joyful harvest. Don't let anybody fool you. Everybody wants joy. Even people who say, well, I don't need all of that. Yes, you do. You want it. You're just too embarrassed to ask for it. I've never known anybody who does not want to be happy. Am I right about it? Everybody wants joy in their life. And so God says, Daryl, on this Resurrection Sunday morning, need you to talk about a joyful harvest. However, I need you to remind the congregation that ironically enough, ooh, the one thing that often precedes a harvest of joy Look at this. Listen to this. Don't miss this. The one thing that often comes before your harvest of joy is a season of tears, a season of sorrow. And so if you don't want to go through anything, don't ever look to gain anything. Oftentimes people want to reap the harvest of joy or the joyful harvest but yet they don't want to go through anything. I am convinced by just being a student of anthropology, a student of human behavior, that throughout the pages of history, everybody, every generation, all had their struggles. Everybody had some times in their lives in which they had some sorrowful situations. We all have cried sometimes. We all have stayed awake at night, sung the song, Trouble in My Way, had to cry sometime. Am I right about it? Uh, you, don't, you may look cute today, but you don't have to act cute. Eh? Look at somebody and say, baby, I've been through some stuff. And don't, don't, don't you look at this outfit. Just forget about this mascara and all this makeup I got on. A lot of it is just covering the stains that the tears have caused. Who can I preach? I'm, I'm not the only one who've had to cry sometime. And some, some of us, some of you, all of us have had to cry for our health and cry for our wealth and cry for our family. How many of you ever had to place your children at the altar? How many of you ever had to come to church with a broken heart and not knowing how things would turn out? But God said, press your way anyhow because after this, 
Good God Almighty, something good is going to happen after this. God reminded me of the psalm that David writes in Psalm 30 and verse 5. David writes, weeping may last throughout the night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> All I need is just a few witnesses. You don't even have to be deep to understand that. As a matter of fact, nobody needs to be deep. There's a scripture I read just last week, and Paul says, I preach that you understand the word, not be impressed with my credentials. For the fact of the matter is, if you don't know what God's saying, you don't get anything. But everybody can understand this. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Tell somebody, you may cry all night but joy will come in the morning so the key to your success is just going through the night can i get a witness the key to your happiness is just to go through how many of you ever had nightmares how many of you ever had a hard time sleeping at night and sometimes you toss and turn and can't get any sleep and the nights seem to be long but sooner or later there's a ray of sunshine that peeps through the blinds of your windows that reminds you morning is here and nighttime is over wow look at somebody and say neighbor god is working on your deliverance go ahead and cry go ahead and mourn but when this is over get ready to give god some praise in fact somebody want to praise god right now i mean i somebody said pastor take a 30 second praise break you know how the old churches used to do when they got ready to, to do something unusual? They'll put the finger up, put your finger up, and say, hold on for one minute. I've got to give God 30. Now, I did notice, I did notice some of you didn't move. Perhaps you don't believe joy comes in the morning. So we're going to try this one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, if you can't move for yourself, move for me. Because I'm going through something. But I'm coming out of this. Weeping may endure for a night. But... I don't need you to shout right now. I just need you to Shabbat God. The Hebrew expression of Shabbat means when you throw your head back and from the depths of your belly, you give God a holy yell. For everybody in the house who's ever had to cry at night, Give God one holy yell. Y'all sit down, let me preach this. Ooh. So James, the brother of Jesus, understood the concept 
that crying is not a destination, but a process. Somebody catch it in the parking lot. Let me help you out. Look at somebody and say, crying is not my destination. It's a process. Tell them sorrow and sadness and hardship and heartaches are not my destinations. It is a process. So James writes these words in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. New Living Translation, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, ooh, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, good God almighty, just anybody in here who's ever had your faith tested, just wave those hands up. In the overflow room, just wave your hands up. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. <laughs> For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, when you come through this, if there were folk that did not like you, when you were halfway blessed, I'm going somewhere. If there were folk that didn't like you, when you were at the entry position on your job, what are they going to do when God completes his assignment on your life and God takes you from entry level to management? What are they going to do when God turns your finances around? What are they going to do when you get your Boaz and, and they're still looking for somebody, somebody in here? Tell your neighbor, just hold on a little while longer. Now God say it is important to point out even before we get to the text that it's a process. It's not going to happen or, uh, one night or the next day. But God says it is as we have reminded you throughout this series a process. Look at this text and I'm done. Psalms 126 is an awesome, very short psalm. One of the briefest of all the 150 psalms that are recorded in the Bible. Psalms 126 talks about a blessed and a joyful harvest. Let me set this up so you can understand. First of all, you've got to understand that Psalms 126, unlike the New Testament writings, it was not an epistle. It was not a letter to a certain church. It wasn't, as the book of Revelation is, uh, a, a dissertation of the last days. But Psalms 126 was a praise song written for praisers who had been through something 
but God had brought them out. And so you can understand why the praise, those who are not praisers, perhaps would have a difficult time understanding this. But to those of us who are praisers, and we've been through hell and high waters, and we've had our backs against the wall, and the hellhounds were on our tracks, we can understand this praise. It was written by one of the greatest leaders of the Old Testament era, a man by the name of Ezra. Ezra was a priest and a scribe, was a, someone of Jewish descent, but born in Babylon, raised in Babylon. It was in Babylon where the descendants of Ezra had been in captivity for 70 long years. Not seven weeks, seven days, seven months, or seven years, but 70 long years. They were captured in 586 B.C. by Nebuchadnezzar. He led the southern tribe of Israel to Babylon. Prior to that, 722 B.C., the northern tribe of Israel were taken by the Assyrians. So their land had been decimated. Their temple had been destroyed. The walls had been knocked down. Their houses burned, and uh, they are now living under captivity. But God was about to do something. In fact, let us, let us to understand the emotional turmoil that they were going through, I invite you to go with me to Psalms 137. And in Psalms 137, verses 1 through verse 4, allow me just to read this, put it on the board so you can understand their mindset. These were praisers. These were musicians. These were worship leaders. They were renowned throughout all of the world for their ability to sing the songs of Zion. But sometimes even the praisers don't feel quite like praising God. Sometimes even the preachers don't feel like preaching. And God's got to encourage you. And so the Bible says in Psalms 137, by the rivers of Babylon we sat, and here's the word, and wept. Somebody say, and wept. We wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We thought of our homeland. We decided to put away our musical instruments. We hung them, the King James says, on the willow trees. For those who had captured us, our captors demanded a song from us. Ah, the verse goes on to say, our tormentors insisted that we sing them a joyful hymn. We responded by saying, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? 
in a pagan land. So they were losing their joy and uh, they, they decided that we have no reason to praise God. But hold on just for a moment. Look at somebody and say, don't you dare give up. Because just when you think it's over, God will raise up a deliverer from an unusual place to attack your enemies. Woo, just, just allow me the homiletical liberty just for a moment to set this in its proper context. So Babylon, the great power, Nebuchadnezzar was now dead and his successor was not as strong as he was. Uh, there was another nation called the Persians. And the Persians were the enemies of the Babylonians. The Babylonians were the enemies of Israel. So only God, good God Almighty, can take your enemy's enemy and set you free. Look at somebody and say, you got to catch this. Only God can use somebody that don't know you but hate your enemies and they defeat your enemies so you won't have to fight and they overthrow your enemies to set you free somebody just shout one time but God good God how many of you I don't want to get on your nerve but I just I, I'm stuck right here brother Johnny how many of you have ever been blessed by unusual sources how many of you have ever been blessed by folk you folk tried to get you fired but somebody got them fired and when they got fired you got their position and i just need about 50 folk that ever had a godless setup just a godless setup Look at your neighbor and say, it's a godless setup. When you don't have to set yourself up, but God knows how to set you up. You don't have to backstab anybody to get your next position. But God's already got something with your... Ooh, y'all excuse me. I feel something in here right now. God is telling me there are at least a few folk in here that God used an unusual source to overthrow your enemies and put you in a position to prosper. Look, I need to show you this. Ezra, the book of Ezra, chapter number one, verses one, two, and three. All I need is a few more minutes. Ah, yeah, yeah. And so they are in Babylonian captivity. And God says, you thought I would use one of you. Now, in Babylon were Mordecai and Esther and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Can I preach for you? All of these folk right there in Babylon. And God says, Daniel, I don't need you to set them free. I'm going to use the enemy of your enemy. And so the Bible says, in the first year of King Cyrus of 
Persia. The Persians hated the Babylonians. The Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given Jeremiah that told them in 70 years, I'm going to deliver you. He stirred the heart. God stirred the heart. Anybody see this? I just, I just got to leave. God can stir the hearts of people that don't even come to church to bless you. God can stir the hearts of people that don't even know God to bless you. The wealth of the unjust is laid up for the just. God can bless you with people that are still alcoholics and drug dealers. And they don't even know why they are helping you. But God can stir the evil heart to bless you. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout the kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, good God almighty, do you see this? I had a seminarian professor who taught this and in the middle of the lesson, he closed his lesson and he just lifted his hands to God and he said, God, only you can stir the heart of an evil man who had never called on your name before to bless your people. Look at this. The Lord, the God of heavens has given me all the kingdom of the earth. Cyrus says, who gave it to them? Israel's God. He has appointed me to build him a temple where in Jerusalem. In other words, this evil man built a temple in Jerusalem. And look at verse number three. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem. In other words, you are now free to go home and to celebrate God used Cyrus to set them free. And so the Bible says about 50,000 of them went back. Nehemiah was one to build the wall. Ezra was another. But as they got back, Ezra said, we've got to put a praise on this. And we've got to somehow remind people this is what the Lord has done for us. Any witnesses in here? And so Ezra began to get out his pen and he wrote this song. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy the Lord has. God has. Somebody say God has restored our fortunes. We were in captivity, but God made a way out of nowhere. The Lord brought streams in a desert. And then Ezra said, this is for everybody who's ever had to cry at night. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Grab somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, your crying was not in vain. God wants me to know that I saw your tears. I, I heard your sorrow. I, I heard your moaning. And to every grandmother and every mother who's ever prayed for a child, God said your crying was not in vain. For anybody who ever cried over your finances, God said your crying is not in vain. Anybody ever cried over your family, God said your crying is not in vain. 
Anybody ever been hurt by haters and evil people? God said it's not in vain, for they weep as they go. But when they return again, they shall return with a harvest. In other words, you may have to cry when you plant the seed. But when you reap the harvest, you're going to have joy. Is there anybody in here ready for joy? Stand to your feet and help me give God a praise. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, give me some room because this is my testimony. Now, to those of you who've never gone through anything, you sit down. But to those of us who've ever went through anything, wave your hands in the air. Anybody ever had a hard time? Wave those hands and say, neighbor, give me some room because I just remembered what the Lord has done for me. And my crying was not in vain. Your tears became your seeds that you planted in the ground. And I'm here to tell you it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Somebody give God your best. You've got 30 seconds to give God your best praise. Lift your hands and say, it's harvest. It's harvest. Courage somebody and say, get ready, get ready. Look at somebody and say, get ready, get ready. Crying is over. Weeping is over. Who am I preaching to? I need about 100 folk to leave your seat and come look me in the face and say, Preacher, I've been through the worst of it. I'm ready for my breakthrough. It's harvest time. It's resurrection time. It's time to get up and come out. It's time to get up. Woo! Come on, church. Let the church say, Yeah. Say, Yeah. You've got 30 seconds to give God your best day. If you knew the time I walked the floor and now God is about to turn it around, I'm about to reap a joyful harvest. Give God your best praise. It's harvest time. 
is over. Why don't you leave your seat, cross the aisles, and look at somebody and say, it's over, it's over. Just wave your hands and say, it's over. It's harvest time. somebody is over. Listen, it's Resurrection Sunday. Here's what God says. You've won the victory. <laughs> Can I say that again? You've won the victory. The song says, Hallelujah. You've won the victory. Hallelujah. You've won it all. For me, this is a message for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lift those hands and say, death could not hold you down. You are the risen king. Seated in majesty, you are the risen king. By his stripes, we're already healed. How many do you know you've won? He's won. I need some worshipers now to just wave those hands and make, ooh, leave your seat and come stand in the aisleway. Come on. Hallelujah. Just flood the aisleways. Uh, just come on. Just step out. Step out of your seat. Yeah, that's right. Lift up your voice and sing. Let the city see you. As the cameras put it on the on, that's right. Look at all. Uh, 
Listen, as we stand to this altar, to those of you that are next door in our overflow sanctuary, to those that are viewing by way of internet, here's the good news. The reason we can reap a joyful harvest is because three days later, after a painful Friday night, he got up again. Ooh, he got up again. And because he got up, I need you to encourage somebody and say, you can get up. Tell them you can come out of this. Ooh, yeah. Encourage somebody by putting your arms around them. And say, you are coming out of this. Come on, tell them again, Bill. Hallelujah. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Close those eyes. You have won it. You have won it. Listen, upstairs, three points. Listen, 
these three things I want you to remember. We'll leave them on the board afterwards so you can remember this. There's a process. Tell somebody there's a process that leads to a joyful harvest. And you know what? We must trust the process. It's not going to be easy, but there is a process that will lead to your joyful harvest. We must trust. Tell somebody, you must trust the process. When you're going through it, it's not going to be easy, but you can come out of this. Any witnesses? Trust the process. Point number two, the process is not always pleasant. Sometimes it does involve a season of sowing tears of sorrow and brokenness and hardship and heartaches. Ooh. But number three, those tears of sorrow and brokenness and hardships and heartaches will one day produce a great harvest of joy. Look at somebody and say, it's coming. Your day is coming. <laughs> I want to encourage somebody who the enemy tried to convince you to give up. Tell them, no, I'm waiting on my joy for harvest. It's coming. But let me remind you of something. It begins with a relationship with the Lord. So here's the question on this Resurrection Sunday. Where do you stand with the Lord? I don't care if you're in good standings with the church. We don't even use that term because there's no such thing. If you're not in good standing with the Lord, then you can't be in good standing with the church. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care who your parents or grandparents were, amen. Where do you stand with your relationship with the Lord? Do you want a better relationship with the Lord? Do you want to be closer to the Lord? Do you want to know more about the Lord? Are you interested in having him be premier in your life? Not secondary thought, but I go to him first. He's above everything else. Ooh. What a beautiful day to do it. A day that he rose with all power in his hand. And this is what the Lord has led us to do. We have a card that simply says, the next step. And if you're interested in the next step, if you're interested in how can I be closer to the Lord. I need more about the church, more about the kingdom. I want a relationship with the Lord. I would love to be baptized. I would love to be saved. You just get this card. Amen. The elders and ministers and the deacons are holding it. If you want one right now, wherever you are, just wave those hands as the choir sing that song again. Just wave your hands in the air. And if, if you just, you want to know more, you just put your name on it. Man. Somebody will be in touch with you. There's a young man there in the back. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
just others, somebody is all the way in the back. Come on, preachers in the back, you've got cards too, amen. Yeah. Somebody is waving those hands, amen. Death, somebody, somebody go down the middle aisle and go and give them one, amen, yeah, yeah. That's right, others are waving your hands. That's right, wherever you are. That's right. Over here, wherever you are, in the audience, if you're in the audience and you, yeah, somebody got their hands raised, man. If you, if you want to be saved, if you want to be delivered, that's what. Yeah, 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 wherever you are. God is calling you right now. The next step. The next step. <laughs> Somebody will be in touch with you this week. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Now listen. If you don't want to wait, if you says, I need somebody to talk to me right now, I need somebody to pray for me right now, then after we pray this prayer, if you would just remain at the altar, somebody would take you next door and minister to you. But this is the process that God says that we're going to use to win many souls to Christ. Because a lot of times you are making up your mind. We don't want to force you to make that decision right now. Somebody will call you and walk you through the process. And, and if it takes you a days or weeks, then you just trust God. Because what God told me is that we are out of the business of building church membership. We're in the business of building kingdom membership. I promise you I'll pray, but what I've learned from my 21 years of pastoring and being in the church all my life is that there was a time where once somebody joined the church, we think that's it. We've achieved what God says, but they don't know any more than what they knew before they joined. I want you to know why you're committing to something. I want you to know why you are claiming God as your Lord and Savior. And it's a process. Amen. Don't worry. A lot of us have had to walk through that. Amen. Amen. Lift those hands to the Lord again right now before we pray. Come on, quiet. You are. You are. Everybody lift those hands all All in the balcony. They're low, the way, if you if you want. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. On this glorious day. We have declared and decree that although we may have cried, we will reap a joyful harvest. Thank you for reminding us that our tears have been seeds that we planted in the ground. <laughs> Hardships and heartaches and disappointments were nothing but seeds planted in the ground that now would turn into a bountiful, blessed, and prosperous joyful harvest it's coming <laughs> let me say that again I'm, a, I'm not just speaking I'm speaking prophetically over somebody right now 
it's coming. God said, it's coming. And we say thank you. Thank you for those who are ready to take the next step. Thank you for those who received this invitation. Thank you for those who are praying over it and touch their lives and give us the ability to effectively minister to them so that they will become more than church members. They will become kingdom members and they will be strong for your kingdom. This is our prayer on this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Those that know it is so said amen. Put your arms around somebody say joyful harvest. It's on its way. If you want right now, you don't want to, you don't have to wait. You just stand at the altar. If, if, if you want it right now, you right now. If not, just turn those cards in to the ministers at the end. God. praise for the word of God. Come on, put those hands together. Give him a praise for the word of God. 